Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We are back and powered by Huddle Analysis, often the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're now joined by Jason Buchla from the Pro Hockey Group as well as Sportsnet. Jason, thanks for coming on the show again. Appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem, Shane. So the topic of the discussion today, it's an interesting one. So we had Mike McMahon, uh, College Hockey Insider, and from the College Hockey News discussing the topic. And this has been percolating for well over a decade behind the scenes, but it's never really come to any type of fruition, obviously. And it hasn't really been, the drums haven't been banged loud enough for anybody to really take notice. And that is CHL players being eligible to play in NCAA hockey. And behind the scenes, there's been a lot so a lot of discussion from an NCAA standpoint. There's been discussion at the CHL level. There's been discussion about it at the USHL level. And at this point, you know, with Jason, with Nil coming in to college hockey, into college hockey and to the NCAA in general, uh, name like, you know, image and likeness, it's opened a Pandora's box. And NCAA, you know, prefers not to be sued and not have to go to have any court cases. They prefer not to dra- drain ever- any of their revenue. And this may come to a point where they rubber stamp, and this isn't in any immediate future, we're probably looking at two years down the road, that in college, uh, the CHL players would become eligible to play in college hockey, which could drastically change the landscape of what junior hockey looks like not only in Canada but in the United States as well and opens up a whole new Pandora's box and potentially and we'll talk about it in the next in the next segment but the NHL CHL agreement as well so thoughts on CHL players potentially being eligible to play in NCAA hockey well you touched on it I mean this has been a discussion that's kind of been percolating behind closed doors for several years off and on you know it's never really got much traction you know you've always heard some rumors here and there and there's been a few loopholes where you've seen a player or two take a year off after playing in the chl and, and Austin swankler which Austin really bowl, set a precedent yeah, yeah bowling green right so um you know now of course and you kind of touched on it with nil in the states and i'm not i don't know enough about how that works exactly nil like all the uh, legalities of it if you will but it, it certainly seems to me that from the outside looking in that compared to a chl player who's getting per diem if you will um you know compared to what these athletes are getting through nil it's not even apples to apples, is it? Like it's it's, it's a crazy amount of money that's being generated down there for sport, which is good, by the way, I believe. I think that, you know, uh, I don't want to go off on a tangent here, but if you're going to put 110,000 people on a football stadium, I, I think that, uh, you know, those kids are pretty much professional athletes at that point on the football side. So anyways, I digress. And, um, you know, this is very interesting to me because I think what you're looking at is uh, so many tiers and the impact of the CHL level it will extend the career of some potentially, right? You know, like a 19-year-old, potentially 20-year-old. I'll be interested to see if it has an effect on the overage stat, like how many overage players you can carry on your CHL roster because obviously CHL teams aren't going to want to lose players. But at the same time, if they've only got a couple of slots and the kid wants to continue his career and he's good enough to go play at a college in the States after his CHL career, drafted or not, 
you know, that's a nice opportunity, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting beyond that to see, let's just say you're a third round pick of the Buffalo Sabres. And, you know, after two years in major junior hockey, you're not quite ready to sign a contract yet. Um, there's an opportunity to extend your development curve uh, at the college level. Um, is that going to be allowed? Uh, is the NHL going to extend the, uh, the um, kind of the, the development window there from two years to X number of years? Because as you know, an NCAA player is four years. So yeah. um, are they going to do that? So there's a lot of moving parts here. It's a fascinating discussion. From a CHL standpoint, let's stick with them. Uh, which is really interesting. I think the advantages from a business standpoint, and we'll look at the business side of it, is that the CHL, which is a smaller entity, like we look at it as a big entity because we live in a, the hockey bubble, particularly because we, we're both Canadians. So we see it as this massive entity. But you, if you look at it from the scope of the NCAA, it's a very small entity. And mm-hmm. for the CHL's opportunity to piggyback the brand of the NCAA, is a really interesting opportunity in terms of generating different types of revenue streams by co-branding. Like in today's business world, you know, we look at products and services, but so many of the larger companies, they really are just sending, selling a brand and yeah. selling a lifestyle. So how much of the CHL brand can be piggybacked through NCAA and how much some revenue streams can fall back if you are a corporation looking to find a place to spend like advertise and sponsor and be an official partner. If the CHL is involved in that and they have us based, obviously teams and how this affects the USHL, we're not sure. Maybe there's a potential partnership in that that opens the scope of, Oh, the CHL teams become much more attractive as a collective group of the 60 coming in. Then obviously with, you know, the 64 college teams and how does that, work on the business side. So I think there's some potential revenue generation opportunities for the CHL owners. Then there's opportunity for marketing in terms of, oh, our our CHL players, and we promote education because they love to promote the education package, if that's even going to exist anymore, but they promote education, then they can go back and market back to their, their team and then back to their communities that X number of players have gone on to college hockey and got their education, which we were trying to build that, build a player, build a person, build, you know, you know, build a man from a CHL standpoint, build a citizen. So thoughts on that standpoint of looking at it from that perspective of, you know, 20 year olds, maybe, you know, being eligible and leaving, or maybe some night year olds, depending on how it's structured and how that could benefit the CHL from, you know, from a business standpoint. Because sometimes we obviously look at from a player standpoint, there's an advantage on player development for the CHL player, but from the business standpoint as well. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. I mean, you hit on one of them, and that's a co-branding opportunity where you've got um, – I mean, obviously, the the thought behind this, um, if we eliminate the noise of nil and everything else, you have to believe that the thought behind this is to make um, – the NCAA even better than it is today. Like to open up more opportunities to recruit more players than they already have an opportunity to recruit. And NCAA hockey is doing fine as it is. It's a great, it's a great, uh, great way to develop. It's a great way to be a student athlete, all that kind of stuff. But this gives those coaches and those programs an extra opportunity. Um, you know, it's going to be fascinating to me because it is a double-edged sword chain. Like 
you know, do you really want to lose one of your good 19 year old players to go down and play at Michigan state instead of keeping them in your building, which puts extra bodies in your building, which is a revenue generator. Let's be honest. Like the better right. your teams are at the, at the CHL level, the more people come to watch the games. And um, so that's, that's fascinating in itself. And then, you know, you touched on how they, they, the CHL is saying, you know, we develop people and as students beyond just hockey players, well, then that is that is a thing. You know, if they see a program that they'd like to go join in the States, uh, education-wise, how does that affect the school package? What's that look like? You know, now are we are we apples to apples in terms of dollar value? Because it's going to be a whole different expense model, if you will, if they're going to be contributing to the U.S. model. And and I haven't even got into the, the, the costing of uh, certain schools. I mean, it costs way more to go to Michigan than it does Michigan State, like a, a private compared to a state school in the States. So. I don't know. Branding opportunity at the forefront. There's an opportunity there. You can just see it right now, right? They're flying the same flag with everything, and and and, and, uh, and, the, and TV the, market, the, right? TV like, market could be. Yeah, that's an opportunity for the TV market. Um, wow, there, there's there's a lot going on there. Yeah, and you look at it from from a licensing standpoint, from TV streaming because you have to put those all in into one package. You know, and then, you know, the seat like we we grew up in we have a minute left, but we grew up in an era where there was a bit of a pissing contest between the different leagues and the different entities. And they're always fighting for recruitment. And I think in I think what the pandemic has done for hockey in a positive way is made us all realize that we're all in the same pool swimming together and you can't pee in the pool because we're all in the same pool. (laughs) Right. So we have to recognize that, you know, the partnerships are actually more beneficial to the collective group. It's going to rise all boats in that respect. And I think we have to start as a collective group in the hockey industry, looking at things like entrepreneurs and then how we can all benefit each other. Because sooner or later, if we get, we get players into, you know, into the NHL, we all benefit. Right. So let's start like more partnership in terms of that standpoint, instead of being these entities that are always constantly fighting over, fiefdoms because i think in a global world we just can't afford to do that in in hockey business anymore we just can't so we're gonna take a short break on hockey prospect radio we'll continue the discussion right after these messages every play every stat every breakdown on their own they're essential but all together they're undeniable introducing huddle instat a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. 
Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. 